First of all, thank you again. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. We have a lot to talk about. I just mentioned, well, as far as the intro to the show, three studio albums. Last one in 1991 with Day One, then all of a sudden, we didn't hear from you again. Then you had to kind of peek behind the curtain. You were doing some exceptional songwriting for a lot of talented industry, a lot of people in this industry, very talented talented people in this industry. And I wanted to ask you, when did you decide just to segue and say, you know what, I'm going to be more comfortable just doing what I need to do as far as putting more emphasis on being a songwriter? The truth is that even before I did my first record, uh, back in 85, I think it came out in 86, I was already writing for a lot of other people. Indirectly, that kind of led to my record deal because I'd be singing a lot of the demos uh, on the different, rec- uh, you know, demos that I'd be sending out. And some record folks started to ask about who was I and wanted to know more about me, particularly one guy named Bobby Columbia over at Capitol Records. But, um, and that's kind of started, started to be down that road. But at the same time, you know, I was always writing for, for other people. You know, like even before my own deal, I had songs with Pointer Sisters and Sheena Houston and uh, a lot of other groups. So as far as with the artist thing, you're right. I mean, after that album, there was some different political things going on at the record company, which were factors in, in some of that. And I kind of was sort of taking a break from it. But I never kind of stopped during that time writing for other people. So I guess I just kind of ended up veering more towards that and uh, and I've always loved it and on some level even when you're writing for other people there's still a part of it that's yourself because you're, you're putting yourself imagining sort of in someone else's style or shoes or what have you but on some level it's all connected to me I sort of don't separate it as much but you're right I'm not out there putting out my own records anymore but I'm still singing still singing on a lot of this stuff and uh, yeah what I, what I find so fascinating because during the 80s I call it the, the MTV era of music we were invaded by the British, quote, the second coming of the British invasion, of course, with your videos and other things. And it was a huge launching pad for a lot of musical careers. And I wanted to ask you, where do you see the difference back then as far as 80s and where we're currently at as far as music is concerned? Because they're not shooting the, quote, unquote, big-budget videos like they used to in the 80s. And now you see a lot of independent artists are finding their way through YouTube or using Pro Tools or using things at their disposal to get major record deals or just remaining independent artists and becoming very successful with the streaming now. I mean, it's a very different world, no doubt, but it's always, it's always been changing because before MTV, I sort of happened to start right around that time when MTV was really coming into its, its own and really peaking. It had been out a few years before me, but, you know, and, and there's some of the, the disadvantages back then were that because there was an expectation that the video was a certain quality to get on MTV, everybody's spending a lot of money doing those videos, and it was a lot of the times recoupable against money that, you know, from the record company, so artists had to make a lot more money just to pay out the videos. Um, it, it was a different day. The, right now it's an interesting time just because you don't have to have a record deal in order to get noticed. And I, I, I personally like that. If I if I had come out now, um, I would have loved not having to sort of deal with the rejection of, you know, labels or them not thinking you're this enough or that enough. And, and uh, there's something pretty amazing. The only downside about now comparatively in my perception is that there's so many artists out there and there's 
so much stuff going out, going on at any given time that it's so hard to kind of get noticed. Uh, and, and back then, you know, I'm not saying it wasn't still, you know, a lot of people in the field, but it was just different. There's so much stuff out there right now that just, it's just it's like so dense, you know. Uh, but, like I said, anybody could put out a record, you could put out a record tomorrow and not have to go to the record company and say, do you think my stuff's good enough or am I worthy? And, and things take off organically. There's not someone, you know, pushing it at radio or this or that. If something takes off, chances are fans find it on their own and there's something really honest and great about that. So I, I, I see it as it's different, but I don't want to see it as better or worse. It's very different. You know, when you were under Manhattan Records, which actually was owned by Universal Music Group at the time, or still is at the time, is that I find it interesting during the time you had so many major labels, and now we have a handful now, and artists like yourself that I've had the pleasure of conversing with that at one particular moment in time, a point in time in their career, they were signed to the machine where they had everything done for them, and now they find themselves as far as, excuse me, being an independent artist, and a lot of those artists are having a very challenging time with making that transition as far as being in complete control over their career. How long did it take you to make that transition to have complete creative control over your career and know that it be as far as being precise as far as the direction that you wanted to head it to as far as in your future was concerned? I mean, I think I was lucky with, with the people I dealt with at my label. The head of the label is a guy named Bruce Lundvall, and he, he gave me a lot of poetic license. There was, I, I had a lot of leeway. It wasn't like someone was trying to talk me into going some direction I didn't want to go. Even back then, I, it was a rare situation. It's one of the reasons that I signed with him, because he, he was just such a fascinating, music-oriented guy. Um, so my experience may not have been the norm, and yes, there's a lot of things done to you in regards to the different departments. There was, whether it be publicity or whatever, they're, they're, they're all working. These days, what happens is that a lot of the, if you do end up with a label, whether it be a major or an indie, you end up hiring those people, almost what I call all of cards. You might get a publicist, then you might get someone to put, you know, work on TikTok or what have you. But artists right now, it's, it's, I think it's self-empowering right now because artists have to kind of learn to post all their own stuff themselves if they really want to get out there and be seen. Even some young artists that, that come meet with me, I mean, one of the things that's so typical right now is, well, how are you doing out there? What are your numbers like? And on one level, it's, it's, it's you know, there's not the idea where the, the record company's building the artist over time anymore, and that's too bad because maybe your first single didn't take off back in the day, but maybe you, your next one would. Right now, it's almost like you have to have some sort of heat on you, whether it be numbers, whether it be a TikTok viral thing, whether it be something. You sort of have to walk in with something going on. But on a self-empowering level, when an artist does that for themselves, they know they don't need the label. So there's an element of sort of more, more partnering with other labels or other people as opposed to, please, can you break me so the world knows who I am? Now, if you're walking in and you've made it you're on a certain level on your own, you're selling a certain amount, whether it be Spotify or what have YouTube, what have you, but you don't need uh, to count on the labels. And it can be very empowering. The people that I see doing really, really well, on some level, they kind of feel like maybe they don't even need a label. Maybe they don't. You know, if you're doing that well, I mean, there's something to be said for that. It's a very different uh, world that we're living in. Radio still, you know, has a certain 
it's, it's a different kind of beast. But as far as just the whole viral thing, and recent, recently I had a song that I wrote called I See Red. Um, it was uh, from a band that I work with called Everybody Loves an Outlaw. It took off and it became a huge viral hit, and now it's up to like 1.3 billion on TikTok. And it was fascinating to see how that worked and when it started taking off, and I learned a lot about that side of things. And there's a lot of record companies that, that have, most record companies have departments that watch what they call analytics departments. They watch things take off, what's going on. Oh, this is getting all this love on TikTok or, or Spotify or, you know, they, they kind of watch uh, all that. And so that's how we ended up making a deal with that one record on Sony for the one record. But there was something that they said for just doing it on our own. I mean, it, it happened without a label and it just became a huge viral thing. And there's something, like I said, very empowering about that, where you don't really need the label in order to make something happen. You just have to be resourceful, believe in what you're doing, and, and stay on it. Because with TikTok, you have to be posting three, four times a day, practically. I must admit, I never thought I would actually see in my time where all the wonderful music stores that we had at our disposal as far as Sam Goody, Music Land, Warehouse, Tower Records, yeah. just all dis- disappear at the snap of a finger. Yeah. And it, let a, it, it left a lot of great artists kind of reeling, what do we do now? How do we go about promoting yeah. our music? Did you have any insight that you actually seen this coming that as far as as far as music stores would somewhat become obsolete here in the states? Well, I mean, it, it was it, it was gradual. I, I think, as I recall, what was the last like Virgin Virgin Records might have been the last one I saw close. But I do remember as they slowly did start to close. I loved going into record stores and kind of, even if I wasn't buying a bunch of records, just going around where they had listening stations or what have you, or just looking at the album covers. And that was a big part of just growing up. That was a big part of the magic of it all. So I was kind of very sad, still am, to see to see that part go. But I understand it. I mean, it's just, you know, it's just like record companies. I have a, they kind of feel like they're changing too. And maybe at some point there won't be the traditional record company. And uh, you know, it, it kind of is what it is. But yeah, I'm, I like you. Got I remember the last warehouse closed, and I live in LA, and there's an area called Westwood. And the last one I saw closed, and I just I got I went through this little depression about it, just because I kind of grew up loving that whole experience. You know, so I hear you. I mean, it was something so special and unique to go to Tower Records, especially Tower Records on Sunset, and buying an album. You know, to see the album artwork, the the liner notes, it was so it was one. It was really a wonderful experience. Or when they had the meet and greet with a lot of the artists, and that was just stripped away from us. But where I see where we dropped the ball here in the United States, when you go over to Sydney, Australia, Japan, England, Germany, Switzerland, they still have record stores, and vinyl is a huge commodity out there and you had a chance to travel on many occasions around this world. Do you do you see the difference as far as the lack thereof respect I'll say the 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 monumental amount of respect that they have for music in those countries that I just named? You know, I haven't I recently went to England to work on uh, an act I'm developing over there with a friend, but I haven't really traveled, traveled for a good 20, 15, 20 years. I mean, around the States I have, but not, not in Europe for, for various, it's just, just happenstance. 
Um, so I can't really address that to compare it. Uh, but there's always an incredible appreciation of music, you know, around the world in Japan as well. I mean, Japan, it's insane how many things they'll, 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 they'll know your full history. They'll know things. I've, I've been talked about things in Japan where I forgot I did them. Even long before I did my own record, they'd remember records that I was, you know, played guitar on for somebody or I'd be like, oh my God, I can't believe you know that, you know, so, but, you know, I, I don't know. I don't want to like make a comparison of U.S. versus right now. Everything's so interconnected and everything's so online that the thing I'm thrilled about is that kids they're not just listening to radio to find out what's out there. All of a sudden, I was taking a ride back from Palm Springs, visiting someone with my family the other day, and, and my my nephew, who's like 13, he said, "Can you, can you play the song, the Frank Sinatra song?" And I'm like, "How on earth do you know the Frank Sinatra song?" Because he's really a hip hop kid, but but he, 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 there, there's an openness and an accessibility to every kind of thing you can imagine, and the kids are finding it. And I think it's that way around the world. I can't speak to around the world as much as here, but I just find that part, like I said, it's the yin and yang. On some levels, there's some things that are, I miss them too, and I'm not going to say I don't get nostalgic and remembering when things seem different. I remember when MTV came out, you know what I'm saying? So it's like I remember it, but at the same time, I'm still encouraged by the fact that my son will be playing me a, you know, a Frank Sinatra song that, quite honestly, I had never heard, and I thought it was great. And I said, "How that couldn't have happened back in the day? I wouldn't have known about right. Frank Sinatra song." You know, you know. So there you go. Yeah, absolutely. For those who are tuning in late, shame on you. But the Teddy Bear does forgive you. We're being joined, of course, this evening by the exceptionally gifted singer, songwriter, and guitarist, Mr. Robbie Neville. I'm going to ask you: Is a certain element of creativity that you have to have to be able to have the ability to bring out the best of an artist that you're working with. How have you been able to bring that out when you work with certain people like Jordan Sparks or Babyface or just working with individual artists where you're able to make that magical connection and bring out the best in them during the production and just songwriting overall? Each, each particular project has its own story. With the Jordan Sparks song, I hadn't met her before we were doing the vocals. So, it was, I mean, we were thinking about her because she was winning the American Idol, and, and we kind of had an idea of what we wanted the song to be, me and my partner, Lauren Evans. Uh, but every project has a different situation. Um, and so when I'm sitting with an artist that comes over, and I haven't met them, and we're going to sit down and write something from scratch for them, I mean, first part, you just want to hang out and get a sense of who they are. Then you want you obviously want to hear what they're into and just try to get a vibe off of them um, and where they want to go. But you know, part of it is just sort of a, a feel thing and you know, experimenting and trying to find something that 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 is. Well, you can see you can see when someone's getting excited about an idea. But any time that you're talking to people, it's like if you're talking to somebody and say, "What are you into?" It starts out like that, you know, kind of just getting a sense of where they're at. And sometimes you can make a mistake of assuming where an artist was at is where they want to go. And that's not always the case. A lot of times they're they're off to something new, and you're thinking about where they were. So anytime you get a chance as a writer to work with the artist, it's way better because you you get it. You can you write. It's like you get immediate feedback. You might have some starts. They may have some. You might be hanging with them, and then all of a sudden they say something in passing where you go, "I love that." You know, they're just talking about something going on in their life, but they say something that becomes like a catchphrase or 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 something. Uh, uh, you know, uh, it, it, there's every single possibility. Uh, that you can think of, but that's to me ideal. If you can sit with them and just hang and just get a feel for them, it's almost like the song's going to 
pop out of just the, the, the situation in a weird way, you know, and then, and obviously the crafting, that's, you know, time, that's going to take time and so on, but just the, the inception, you want to get a vibe off someone, you know, and if you can't meet them, you want to listen to enough stuff where you kind of, I've always been good at sort of being intuitive, listening to something and sort of getting where something's coming from, that's why I like a lot of different styles and, you know, whether it be jazz or whether it be rock or pop, you know, I tend to like to mix it up. And, you know, that's the key. You've got to be able to sort of sense intuitively where, where, some, where something's coming from, be it style or, or the artist themselves and what they're going through. It seems to me, just listening to you and your overall songwriting comes across as being very organic. And it seems that being that having that type of organic vibe around you brings out the best as far as your creativity. Where do you see yourself at now as far as being a songwriter compared to where you're at now to say 10 years ago? Look, I think the fun part about now, because I've been fortunate, knock on wood, to have enough things that, you know, they, they've done well and, and so I don't, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't feel like I have to do the same hustle maybe that I had to do back in the day to just sort of since they're going to college and so on and so forth, you know. I, so at, at this point, I kind of feel like I get to pick and choose what I want to do, and it's, it, it can be it, it, it can be as simple as something that I kind of go, you know, I've always wanted to do something like that. Like even when I did this this, this thing I was telling you about the uh, I See Red song, no one was asking me for that band, but I had this idea in my head of something that I really wanted to do. This sort of hybrid of southern rock meets dark country meets kind of this weird hybrid. And, and and I just kind of created it because I wanted to, and then I found the group of people I like to work with, like my girl Bonnie who sings on it, and her husband Taylor plays on it too, and and uh, and it, that's kind of where I'm at now. And I, I could I probably 10, 15 years ago, I was probably you know someone would call and say, hey, we've got this artist in town, or we've got to work on this, and you kind of you're, you're always kind of on, you're hustling and, and and trying to you know just make things happen all the time. Always doing a bunch of co-writing five days a week or whatever. Whereas nowadays tend to pick and choose what I want to do and I feel like I it's more uh, cathartic than ever because I'm literally doing exactly what I want to do and then I also find that those are the things that that do better as well I think maybe just because the heart space is in the right you know place whereas maybe 15 years ago if someone called and said oh we've got this new artist coming into town they're co-writing with five people who want to hook up it would be normal to say you know sure put us in for a couple days and that was just the norm I, I kind of don't do that these days I try to find things that really excite me and, um, you know, something that really just sounds fun, to be quite honest. Working with cats that I love, you know, that's a big bit it. But having fun and working with artists that I just, you know, that I believe, I believe in, you know. And sometimes when you're writing for a bunch of co-writing, you're, some of the artists you're, you're working with, you're, 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 you're grateful. Just, you're amazed. Like if I'm working with someone like Babyface back in the day, I mean, I was outside of my body it was magical it was an amazing experience you know but sometimes it'll be someone's you know 14 year old daughter that's probably not saying that much but this or that or this record company's interested and you you know I don't do that stuff as much anymore in fact I kind of don't do it anymore to be honest so that's the biggest difference I say I do stuff that I want to do that I really feel more passionate about Without question, I mean, I think it's a, not a thing. I know it is a very beautiful experience when you have that level of freedom and, as you stated, being able to do things that you feel comfortable doing and not being pressed more 
you have to do this or you have to do that. And I think a lot of these young artists that are coming into this industry, they don't truly understand what it means to have that level of freedom because they have the machine, the major label, and they're trying to put them in a certain quote-unquote demographics. And a lot of times they're totally robbing them of their creativity. And it's wonderful to hear now by you being independent and having this complete level of control over your career. So, you know what, I'm feeling this. I can do this when I want to do this. But I got to ask, and I know a lot of a lot of wonderful fans and supporters of yours, what do you have going on right now at this moment? Are you working on anything right now as far as any movie soundtracks? Are you currently writing with someone right now? At, at this point, I'm just, I'm, I've just finished a, a couple of projects that are about to come out, and uh, One's a fun, uh, sometimes I'll work with places to get songs placed in movies and TV and that kind of stuff, it's, you know, and a place I work for called Extreme Music. I just did a project for recently called The Loop, which the single will come out August August 1st. It's it's kind of like a modern-day Earth, Wind & Fire with a little bit more hip-hop infused. So it's this hybrid. And it's just it's something that was super, super fun, and it was a project, a labor of love, because it really, I got to use a lot of live players, and that's, that's a fun project. The single called So Chic will come out August 1st. Um, another project that I've got coming up is uh, this young pop, she's like a pop rock girl. It's actually leaning more, way more rock than it is pop. Uh, it's an English girl named Tilly, T-I-L-L-Y, and that single's going to come out on July 1st, meaning the video and the single. doesn't mean to say it's coming out on the label. Right now... That's not the way I kind of, uh, I, I don't really think of it in that way anymore. These days we just, we, we put it out ourselves. In the, in, in the reference to the Earth, Wind & Fiery one, the thing called The Loop, that's a little different because that's, you know, that project, part of it is for placements and, and, and a lot of TV and that kind of stuff. But at the same time, it's, there's something very special about that one. That's August 1st. But those are the two most recent ones. Um, that I'm working on, and uh, yeah, that's been kind of like preparing for those releases. It's been kind of a full-time thing. That's the most. Well, I must say, I'm, I'm, you know, I can't, you know, I can't throw away hope. Like a lot of listeners out there, we would love to see you perform live again. Is there any remote possibility (laughs) in the near future we may have an opportunity to see you perform live again? You know, I never say never. I did do a, a live thing with the with the group that does IC Red. We did a live thing in the studio where I was part of the band. I mean, I'm not. I'm just like a you know, a, a day player, you know, in the back playing fly guitar. But that was fun, and uh, you can probably see that online. But as far as me going out and pushing my own stuff, nothing in the near future. But I, you never say never because if something comes along and it just seems like a fun, interesting thing, that's 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 how I kind of live my life these days. You, you, you never know. I'm never going to say never to, because you just don't. I understand. You know, it's funny. I look at you and also another great artist like yourself, Daniel Offman from Oingo Boingo. He took the same route. He, that's yeah. all he's been doing. Mm-hmm. He's well, doing songwriting. I mean, he movie scores. became so big doing movie soundtracks. I mean, that guy's a monster. I mean, that guy's been huge. Doing all those movies with Tim Burton, I mean, my God, amazing career. You know, so. Well, we're not going to keep, as I said, we're not going to lose hope. And for all the all the listeners out there to get all the latest, latest updates, make sure you stop by 
Mr. Neville's official website. That's at RobbieNeville.com to get all the latest updates. And this is your home. Whatever you need or whatever you need to promote new music or whatever you're doing, please do not hesitate to let us know. And I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule and joining us. I've been a long admirer of your music. And also, you are one of the most underrated guitarist in this industry. I just want to let everybody know that you are an exceptional guitarist, and thank you so much for joining us this evening. I, I appreciate you. Thanks, thanks, for, uh, thanks for having me on. That, that's sweet. Appreciate you, man. Thank you. The one and only Mr. Robbie Neville here on Night Tracks Radio. Again, family, be sure to stop by his official website. That's at Robbie Neville. That's N-E-V-I-L dot Come and get all the latest updates. And we also want to send out a lot of love to Troop. We had the pleasure of having the group, R&B, legendary R&B group, Troop. We did an interview on Facebook Live. That was just a few days ago, actually. That was on uh, Monday, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> and I had Troop on the show. It was a wonderful experience. No, I'm sorry. On Thursday, no, Friday. Friday, I'm losing track of time. On Friday of last week. But we had Troop on the show, and be sure to get their new hit single, Lady in My Life. Lord have mercy. I'm going to take a little quick two and two. I want to thank everyone for tuning in and allowing the teddy bear to help you tune out all the negativity, as they always say. Say la vie here on Night Tracks Radio.
is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.